You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easy and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. Hey guys, welcome to the Industry Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Brower. Today's guest is uh, has become a good friend of mine. Uh, we met seven months ago. We're in a uh, an amazing uh, group together, kind of executive group together that meets monthly. And I've really gotten to know uh, Michael uh, on a level I don't get to know many people and I've very much appreciated. He's disrupting the lead gen industry with a focus in B2B. And uh, he's also, uh, he loves geeking out on similar things that I do like biohacking and, and longevity. And I want to get into all that. So thank you for being here, Michael Minus. Thank you for having me. So uh, I forgot to mention, he is co-founder of a company called Science, starting with a C, uh, C-I-E-N-C-E, the name of your group. And you have grown locally to, what, 15 or so employees? We're probably, yeah, 15 at the current moment. And then globally, you guys are at, what, 600 or so? Yeah, north of 625, 650 range. And the, the speed at which you have done this. The company's how old? Three and a half years. Three and a half years old. And um, the speed at which you've grown to that amount of employees is just mind-boggling, staggering. And I love, uh, I can't wait to kind of hear the story of what you guys have done. And you've shown me a lot of uh, how you, what you do and, and how you do it for your clients, which you also implement for your own company. Uh, so I want to get into that, but let's start actually with uh, something I'm also super passionate about, kind of biohacking and exercise and things like that, because I know you love, uh, you're a person that um, really, de- de- I guess, dives deep into uh, the science behind things. Uh, no coincidence that the company's called Science, but um, yeah, talk, talk to me about how you got on that journey. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm not afraid of details and I'm not afraid of the data. And I think that's really pushed me deep into the biohacking world. It originally started with, you know, Dave Asprey, you know, bulletproof diet, bulletproof coffee. Mm. Years, years ago, I was trying to be more effective, more efficient, and just get a little extra edge in life. I, you know, I did the, the bulletproof thing for a while, didn't understand the mechanics of it, and then started peeling that back and understanding, okay, well, how does fat impact your diet? How does insulin impact your your mental state? And just 
I mean, you, you probably know better than most the world that that opens up of how the mechanics of the body work. It just, it seemed like this really fun problem that, that went from there. And so it started about five years ago, that passion. And that's all, uh, the Bulletproof, that's specifically like the keto diet. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and so if you, you look at a, a ketogenic diet, very, very high fat diet, you know, depending on what state of ketosis you'd like to be in, you know, anywhere from 70 to 80% of your diet is fat mm-hmm. and using that resource to be more efficient, be more focused, be more in tune in some cases with, with your body and your mental state. So you're a, you know, you're clearly fit, you know, thin, lean, uh, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, uh, a keto diet was more meant to help your body, like burn the fat that you have. Um, how, how does it, I mean, do, were you, were you not always lean and now you are, or like, or what does it do for somebody that's already lean or, or fit? I wasn't always lean. Okay. As a matter of fact, food and weight and my relationship with those, with my, my own, you know, body perception was something that wasn't healthy for the majority of my life, actually, okay. until I, I started learning more about diet and how your body reacts to certain, you know, not all calories are the same. Yeah. And, you know, it started at a young age when I was, when I was young, whatever was on sale at the grocery store, that's, <laughs> that's what we got to eat. Sounds like my upbringing, <laughs> you know, um, which is, it was great. Yeah. At its yeah. Time. Well, and, and, you know, I think when, when we were younger, there was a larger fascination with convenience mm. and that convenience probably indexed higher than something along the lines of, of, you know, health and, and I think we kind of, you know, now as an adult, I realize convenience and health and balance and all those things are a little bit more need tuning along the way. Yeah. Um, so the keto diet and other diets that I've tried and seasonal dieting and just how I treat my body from a f- physical perspective um, has changed dramatically. And it wasn't always this way. Mm. No, I've always been able to grind. That was one thing, yeah. but grinding on managing health, grinding on managing weight, it's, it's just an, it's an endless grind. Like you'll, you will ultimately lose. Um, so this was, this is a diet that's become a lifestyle for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I never had perception of before prior to going down this path. Yeah. That's what I always said. Uh, I was a personal trainer f- for five years through college and dieting. I've always said dieting is setting yourself up for failure. Nothing more. Uh, lifestyle change is actually where the magic is. It's like just, you know, read the ingredients and what you're putting in your in your body and uh, stop eating fake things. Anything that says low fat or low sugar, what's that replaced with? Right. Fake shit, basically. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so it's, your body doesn't know what to do with things like that. Yeah. Um, We're not designed that way. Yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. So, and then after, I mean, it's, uh, I think with any other habit, you do it for long enough, it just becomes who you are and your lifestyle. Well, if I can interrupt, the part that was really surprising to me, I didn't know I was unhealthy. Like, I didn't recognize what unhealthy felt like, because mm. I lived in that state for so long. So, yeah, I was 20, 30 pounds overweight, and it's like, whatever, it's, you know, don't want to go jumping in a pool, like, you know, with a Speedo or anything today. Yeah. But I didn't 
think it impacted other parts of my day. And until I was able to really drive that balance, I started having these like very enlightening moments of like, oh, wow, like this is what healthy feels like. Um, and then now, you know, obviously part, part of it is the refeed. And I, and I steal that from someone. Uh, people call it cheating. I, I love the term refeeding. Hmm. You know, so you get out, you, you have a drink, you, you maybe splurge on, you know, double quarter pounder with cheese or something along that lo yeah. those lines. But with the refeed, like then you feel it like, oh, wow. That's what I used to feel like all the time, uh -huh. and it's a reminder. What do you mean the refeed? Like uh, having those things that you had before that weren't working. Probably, for you? yeah, okay, having yeah. those things that typically aren't on my my lifestyle agenda. Like yeah. knowing I'm knowing I'm splurging more than I should, right. if you will. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had noticed that with uh, you know. Eating some of the things that you you know after a night of drinking or something like that you eat crap you shouldn't and yeah that's I mean I've never heard that term before refeed I know exactly what you're a, talking it's about it's a massive you know you're talking about the the five pound breakfast burrito that right you, know, you probably <laughs> you probably should just go without but right. you can't you eat every bite of every morsel of it yeah. it's delicious and uh, sugar is a big one too sugar is a big one you know yeah. the dessert um, the other night we were talking about a restaurant that we went out to near here mm -hmm. and that was definitely a refeed day it was a it was a, a a restaurant with tons of carbs. I wasn't going to be on keto. It was my anniversary. And so I enjoyed myself. And then I enjoyed myself with two desserts. <laughs> and I so, love it. you know, the refeed, like you got to give into that a little bit. There's yeah. a balance to everything. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, how about the fitness side of, of what you do? Cause I know you exercise a lot. How does that, and I know you've studied and what you're, you're dialing in what your body yeah. needs and perfecting yeah, that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit distracted all the time. Right now, my, my big kick is anything that allows me to race a bike, like mm. a motorcycle, like, you know, center, really strong core, you know, squats, strong base, strong legs. Mm. Uh, so it just kind of depends what external activities are really exciting to me that mm. dictate my physical activity. The rule I try to stick to is just break a sweat every day. doesn't mm -hmm. matter what it is. If you're in the garden, if you're going on a, wa a walk, if you get 15 minutes at lunch, then power walk. Just break. Try to have, you know, perspiration yeah. <laughs> out of your yeah. body every day. That's great. And then all that leads to you having so much energy and all these great ideas in your in business, <laughs> not just with science, but I know you have a lot of other uh, yeah. really cool ideas. One, that, a couple that you've uh, shared with me, and and uh, potential partnership opportunities there. So let's jump into into science now. I know you've uh, you know um, been there. You have been there for what two years? Kind of did a reboot with some other uh, owners of the company, right? Yeah. So uh, science. Uh, the reason I kind of like paused with how long science is been around is because there was a there was a start and then there was kind of a restart yeah. and the restart rebrand came you know I think nine months after the original founding and with that restart rebrand myself and two other we call ourselves like the active partners of the organization yeah. were brought in and that was three years ago yeah uh, and yeah so it, we actually celebrate our three-year anniversary 
about a week or two ago. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so it's been three years. And you've shown me, uh, you can get into as much depth of this as you sure. want, but you've, you've kind of explained to me the, the science behind uh, how your system works and that you guys have been doing this now for so long that the data you've collected, uh, what really struck me about it is uh, a, a company in a particular industry, you guys have had, um, you know, enough experience working in that industry now generating leads for other companies in that industry that you can show the data behind if you for every dollar you spend with us you're making x uh you're making you know why yeah exactly um how did you like first of all how did you set up the system to even come up with that kind of data <laughs> So, I mean, we did it, it was interesting because we did it for ourselves at the same time we were doing it for our earlier clients. Okay. Um, and let me actually preface yeah. the question by saying, I have hired, so, you know, I run a commercial real estate brokerage firm. I have hired a company a few years back to do some cold calling initial lead gen for us. Right. It was just throwing money away, basically. And I know that you guys are wildly successful for all your clients. I know several of them, and they rave about you. <laughs> Thank you. So what are you doing differently? Yeah, uh, it's there's an intersection. It's funny because at this intersection is where I think my partners and I have the largest disagreement, all wonderful disagreements, but it's, uh, it's execution, it's craft, it's strategy, right? You need the workforce to go out and just execute a hypothesis. I believe that if I make this many calls, I will have this type of response rate. Okay, and then you introduce a strategy. Well, if I make this many calls and then improve upon this comment or statement or call at time of the day, then I improve that conversion rate, right? But at the core of it all is execution, it's operation, right? And I think that's a lot of our success is the ability to say, Okay, we're, we're holding individuals, we're holding ourselves accountable to these activities. Mm -hmm. And beyond these activities, the unknown is the strategy and the craft in which they're delivered to market. But until you create a system of accountability, a system where you get data back from that execution and back from that craft, nothing else matters. The strategy doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. the, the approach doesn't matter. How and what you say don't matter. What matters is the fact that one, you had you know, a call or an email or a series of activities that were executed the same way every time. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you like coming up with important key performance indicators and building a system around from the top of the funnel all the way through right. to get it to getting to the bottom of the funnel right. and then tipping them into uh, you know, becoming a client. So systematizing that. Well, and, and that's how we, we think about it for our clients. That's obviously how we do it for ourselves. Actually, within our own organization, I am the customer of science. Mm. So my team and myself, we, we call it drinking our own champagne. We utilize the same systems, the same processes, the same tools, everything that we deploy for a client, we deploy for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and you know now we're at a point where 
could we could we go from you know 10 to 50 salespeople? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we know the math to going and doing that. Right. The, the only limitation is the total addressable market that we want to go after. Right. Okay. Like focusing on what you want to focus on. Exactly. <laughs> doing that methodically as yeah, opposed to yeah. <laughs> hiring 50 more salespeople and yeah, having I'm sure right. that would work, but it would take uh, Yeah, there's a, there's obviously verticalization and specialization that occurs yeah. within that along the whole way. That's great. Yeah. So uh, who are, you know, speaking of that focus, who are some uh, types of companies or industries? What are, how are you guys targeting your particular growth? Yeah, right now we're, we're midst effectively data, like a massive data and analytics project to do a pulse check on the market. Mm. We do very well. The way we look at this is we're focused on customers that have more than a you know twenty five thousand dollar customer lifetime value. So our customers, their cus- their customer when they acquire someone should not be less than twenty five thousand um, dollar. Actually, yeah, uh, lifetime value. Okay. Yeah. Right? And so that's that's the first thing, right? Anything below that might be too transactional. It doesn't warrant. A lot of personalization, a lot of you know, a heavier cost at the very top of the funnel. Right. Right. A lot of lower transactional, you know, tons of SaaS solutions that you know they, they need the cost of acquiring a customer at the top of the funnel to be sub fifty dollars. You know, they're they're gonna go pay per click or SEO or all these other options. Right. Uh, whereas we're we're pro focused on. Uh, you know, individuals who want to have a very specific conversation with very specific people, not a, a blank, wide casted net. Beca- so, which is probably why you focused in the B two B space, right? But th- and, and and because of those things, we do incredibly well with services companies, companies that are, okay. you know, going in. Their engagement might be two hundred fifty, half a million dollars, and they're focused on, you know, a, a very small group that they need to be in front of and having conversations with. Mm, okay. Do you guys help, uh, I'm just thinking in terms of systematizing business development for commercial real estate brokerage, for instance, coming up with the the process, like the KPIs and the touch points from the top of the funnel to the bottom is something that is difficult to do, right? Like right. somebody comes into the top of the funnel, they get an email, they find their way to the website, what email then do they get? And then after that, what, what needs to happen next? Like, are these all steps that you guys help companies with or do they need to have that figured out before they engage with you? We are evolving into those steps. Uh, for the last three, two and a half years, we've been primarily focused at a very discreet handoff. Once we have someone interested in taking a meeting, we do an introduction, we schedule the appointment, you know, everything gets put on the calendar and we have historically stepped away. We are finding ourselves because people have seen our own sales process and the systems, you know, and accountabilities within there, we are finding ourselves where um, individuals are coming much more partnership. Like how can we build a a more of a, a, you know, full end to end customer journey. Mm -hmm. So I do feel there's an evolutionary thing happening right now. With, with the state of the world and the pandemic, our business is flourishing because people cannot give up on outbound sales and people can't give up on developing their pipeline. Right. 
Um, but what also people are realizing is subspecialization. They're realizing if we hire individuals to do this very specific thing, we can hold them accountable to the very specific thing. You know, a very high level consideration is an SDR, excuse me, a salesperson that calls for appointment setting versus a salesperson that calls to qualify versus a salesperson that, you know, closes a bit, you know, business deal. They're all different things. And so mm. uh, historically, we do a handoff. I think in the future, in the next few years, you'll start to see us evolve into actually managing lower levels of qualification and, and yes, setting all of them up, whether that's an, you know, an email and, and website. We do landing page. We do email right now. No one knows we're involved but we're stopping at that introduction mm -hmm. and we're not yeah. carrying it forward. Okay. So you will help. So it sounds like you help companies set up top of the funnel. Is that uh, a good right. way? Yeah. To, okay. And then your, that's what, our core domain. Right. And then the few, what you're now building out or getting deeper into in the future is to help companies all the way through and you know, until they're actually acquiring and closing the business. Right. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do a selfish plug if I can right Please, now. Yeah. I think science is going to emerge in a space of customer journey development. Hmm. And so when you think about customer journeys, you're, th you know, usually a lot of different people are involved for an organ, uh, a lot of outsource organizations can be involved, you know, funnel development. Um, but they, they, an organization, it's, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know how I'm trying to say this, it's siloed, these pieces are siloed. The sale occurs here, the, the top of the funnel occurs here. Right. <laughs> you know, can we have this interaction without a human? Can we have a qualification with this human? Can we have a sale with this human? Can we do a handoff to this human to do, you know, X, Y, and Z? And you have these silos and no one's saying, What's the perspective? What is that moment on the customer side of that experience through the whole flow from the very first touch point to the day that they walk out the door at, you know, ending of their customer life? We have that mapped out at our organization, right? So every, every individual that touches a customer has layers and systems of accountability that they're measured against. Wow. And so I believe a lot of where our direction is going to go is building whole customer journeys, not just a top of funnel, not just a mid funnel, not maybe, may, you know, obviously a close is going to be difficult being able to close business for businesses, mm -hmm. um, but then manage those businesses and be customer support. And so you see a, a lot of, they're called BPOs, business process outsourcers, if you're not familiar. Yeah. They do, you know, customer success management or they'll do a, account management. So, you know, you're a small business owner, you don't need a full-time person, you can offshore and have part-time account management setting up, you know, onto a, a SaaS solution, all that's outsourced. And so I think the future will actually be the company that can capture the whole journey from end to end the fastest. Wow, that's great. I, when, where can I sign? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when yeah, you're done with all that. No. Definitely, uh, <laughs> when I emerge in 15 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so have you always been a like a data-driven detail? I mean, has this been your whole life? Uh, you uh, engineer-minded, great in math and science. Yeah, I've been I've been good with math. I've been strong with math from a young age. 
I, I recognized a passion for engineering when I, you know, I would take a lot of things apart uh, at my home. So telephones, televisions, like if I had tools and there were, uh, you know, electronics laying around, yeah. I took them apart <laughs> and I tried to put them back together, sometimes successfully. So I, I saw those things in myself, but I never, I was a dumb kid. I never like looked at my future and said, you know, what do I want to do with the rest? Like I never did that. I just kind of showed up every day and said, where, where? Where am I going to go? Like, what's interesting to me that day? <laughs> so I didn't put any of that into practice when I went to university, and I did not take. You know, my focus was business, and yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. Speaking of the business, now you're now you're like this. You're disrupting this B two B, you know, lead gen space. What um, what drives you to, you know, hold other people accountable to? the systems that you have built and like to you I, know, push into this. I, I fear saying this because I don't, I know the way it's perceived. I, I think I know the way it's perceived. There's, there's one rule and it's the almighty dollar. Mm -hmm. I mean, truly, if you would like to have something done, you need to motivate the person properly to yep. do that thing. And in the world of business, that's economics. That's yeah. money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, typically there are a few rules to this. Never hire someone that has more than one thing they're accountable for. Always have a thing to measure what they're coming in to be accountable for. It can't be vague. It has to be very specific. Mm. This, this will increase by this percentage. This will happen here. This will happen here. All metric driven, all date driven. And then calculate for yourself what that means if they succeed, the profitability of that for yourself and you come up with a perfect job opportunity. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I view yeah. all those systems, all those people. Um, it's a math problem. Yeah, and, and what I'm hearing in that is like systematizing everything down to minute detail, it just happens on its own. Like you don't even have to really. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a, it's a marathon, right? The first part of that marathon, you're laying the foundation with assumptions and hypotheses, and you're putting people, and you'll reward people. I mean, I've rewarded people for not making us money. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it sounds like, well, how would you do that? Um, you know, I've rewarded people for getting, an, you know, clients as quickly as possible, as opposed to rewarding them for getting us clients that will last the longest. In oh, okay. Funnel, right? There, there's... So it's how quickly you can learn your, your hypothesis of like, well, how th will this affect the business? Yeah. Um, and then it just gets more granular and granular. And you find people, you find, you know, support that can take over sales. You find support that can take over customer success. You find other people that view it in that same way. And, you know, they can get into those details. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how the organization starts to refine and dot the t's and you know or excuse me <laughs> dot the i's and cross the t's <laughs> that's just a so minor minor detail don't worry about it no. there's a t getting dotted i know it don't don't lie to me i'm sure there is <laughs> <in> some language <laughs> oh that's great were there um were there a challenge like what what did you as you have grown massively very quickly what challenges have you guys had to like, holy shit, how are we going to solve this problem? And <clears throat> I, uh, 
There's been a lot. I mean, there were, I don't know if I'm, I should be saying this. We'll have, we'll have to review with, uh, with <laughs> our legal. I mean, there were, there were a few times where we walked in, my partners and I, thinking it was the last day we were going to be a, a brand in the company. Mm. And, you know, a lot of those challenges are, you know, sometimes they're alignment challenges. Um, there's obviously like product market fit challenges. We're in a very, very commoditized space mm -hmm. is lead generation is one of the most diluted spaces, not just from companies, but fragmentations of what lead generation even is mm -hmm. everything from, I can buy or enrich a contact all the way to, I can, you know, purchase an appointment right. Right, and everything in between. So the challenges have been, uh, I think there was a, a little bit of time of getting, priming the market to have this conversation. And so we did a good job of that. Now the market's responding really well. We talked about the pandemic, how you know people can't give up on, on this. They just need to do it smarter and more efficiently. Yeah. You know, and and ec more economically. And so I think the challenge was I don't want to say we were on on the front end of that, but we were kind of on the front end of that in some aspects. And that was really hard. That was yeah. a large challenge. Uh, but from uh, you know, getting out there, testing our theories, testing the sales process, all those things. Um, you know, we, 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 were, we had our hands on it. Like we knew it was gonna take time to grow it as quickly as we did. Um, we knew, well, we knew it was gonna take time to get it off the ground. Right, um, yeah. So. And how, um, how do you, having this many employees all over the world, how do you manage this now remote workforce how, what are you doing? I, I know you guys had a, an office space here in Denver, and you had people in a space, you know, in particular parts of the, you know, the country or the world. What are you guys doing now? How'd you get set up? Yeah, I, that was a really scary time when that occurred. Running our business, it is about the BPO space, the call center space, our space is about providing an environment that is about focus and efficiency. And the way you do that is you put people in an office and you put them in a cubicle and you say, this is the one thing you're going to just create mastery around. So we were losing that. We were losing that core piece. Mm -hmm. um, so many things in this business, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a fate guy, but so many things just worked out in very uncanny way. Yeah. One of those things was um, in December, in Q4 of last year, we met, we started interviewing kind of interim COOs and we met an individual who, you know, he's become a very good friend. He came in to be our COO, but not permanently. Mm -hmm. And he just came in at the right time. And if we did not have him, I don't know how we would have transitioned, but that transition occurred because we just deployed a lot of awareness, a lot of concern. We actually started bringing people home on our terms. So weeks before you know, the, the world shut down and especially here in the States before we had these shutdowns here, we were taking actions, buying laptops, you know, just boots on the ground, the activity required to set people up. Yeah. So we, we knew it was going to happen. We at least had, I would say two to three weeks ahead of the ahead curve, of the curve started taking those actions. Yeah. Yeah. But, wow. I, but fortunately, I mean, I, I'm super grateful if if we had not brought this right person in at the right time, you know, it would have been my, myself and my three partners on a, you know, 
maybe on a plane. Like, who knows? What we <laughs> right. Uh, help, I, we, help people plug in laptops. And <laughs> yeah, my, my, my partners and I, were SaaS people. That's the other thing that's quite interesting about mm-hmm. this. We're all you know, former SaaS guys. We, we're not you know, call center, very heavy operations driven people. Right. Um, so it's a weakness that, that we had that we filled. And we just luckily got it filled at the right time. I don't know if that answered your question. That's great. But no, absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds like everyone is working remotely. You guys became somehow super yeah. efficient uh, very quickly and everything's working. And from, from the day that we, as an executive team, decided we need to go completely work remote, I think, and it was under three weeks. I want to say it was just at that two week. It was probably that two and a half week marker. Yep. We were there and efficient to... You know, the same levels of operation that we were at wow. before. Yeah. What's your plan um, in the future with regard to bringing people back in those particular markets? Well, coincidentally, you and I have talked a little bit about this. Uh, yeah. in, in I think there's a different story for some of those markets versus the U.S. market. Right. Um, I think the headquarters. The, yeah, the yeah. headquarters. Um, so our headquarters is San Diego. Mm-hmm. That's where my two partners reside. And we have effectively everything touching revenue operating here in Denver with myself. Okay. And for for us, you know, it's it's interesting. I Majority of my life, professional life, I, I've had work from home opportunities. So it wasn't new to me. Um, but I would see, I would see, in some offices, especially you know our, our local offices, our stateside offices, us being more part-time in office but still having an office, I don't know if we have that luxury for our offshore offices. Again, so much about the success of, of what we can do and, and you know holding people accountable and those systems and those metrics is you know getting giving people the right environment to work from. you know so you think about, Manila, for example, one of our larger locations. How do you get stable internet, you know, to everyone's home? That's a problem. God, that's a great point. Right? Wow. Yeah. Kiev, Kiev, Ukraine. Okay, internet there is amazing, but now how do you get, you know, deployment of machines? And then how do you go and win that, you know, the big bank project that has all these regulations where you need to be able to monitor where people's devices are and where they log in. And and it becomes this massive problem when you don't have that. So I would see our overseas operations probably moving back to and staying and residing within a, you know, an office space. space. Yeah. Well, as soon as we can uh, safely do that, I guess, huh? As soon as we can safely do that, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see where the where the, where the uh, office kind of commercial office market goes. I think everyone's still trying to figure that out for themselves, and it'll be interesting over the next twelve months, especially when uh, you know people really want to start getting back to it. I think some companies, what I'm hearing, are, "Oh my God, we love working remotely. We're just going to stay that way." And then you have others that say, "Oh my God, I cannot wait to get back." What does that have to look like? Because we, we need to do this now. So, And what do you see as the evolution? I mean, obviously something's going to change. Yeah. You know, so yeah. how does it change? I think, um, I think every, there's going to be a lot of uh, solutions created individually. I think you know people are going to work out whatever works for their specific team. 
I do think for the most part, most companies are going to need less office space and they're going to continue to give the empl their employees the option to work remotely if they choose. Maybe not every single team member, but majority of right. them. So we'll see. I think, um, personally, I think it's gonna have a huge impact in the office market for the next couple of years. Um, so we'll see. I think about the impact it'll have on design. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mean more modular systems, more systems that you can kind of have people drop in and drop out. Right. And I think it's going to change the way uh, people create modern art and you know furniture and workflow. Like work uh, yeah, like flow through it's the so office much. space. Yeah. Lighting, all of that is being discussed in the architectural that's, community right now. That's exciting. I mean, that's cool. I think that's uh, just ways that these types of changes find themselves like weeding through society yeah. is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, so I appreciate all the, all the context for, for science and kind of what you guys are doing. Um, how do people, what's the best way for listeners to contact you if they want to know more, if they want to hear about pricing, how you guys partner, that sort of stuff? Yeah, no, thank you. Science.com. So science without the S, C-I-E-N-C-E.com. You jump on there. I'd be shocked if there wasn't a chat popping up within a second <laughs> asking you how your day is. So yeah. <laughs> just visit us there, and that's probably the fastest way. Okay, perfect. Uh, that's great. So uh, I want to. I like to cap these off with some just rapid-fire questions about you personally. Oh, okay. So people can kind of get okay. to know uh, yeah. what drives a disruptive okay. entrepreneur. Uh, there seems to be a lot of commonalities uh, with, with a lot of... Uh, um, guests on the on the podcast so what is your you know you're in the technology space what's your favorite technology that you use to op to operate your life to operate my life <laughs> business personal something you're using every day every week yeah, I mean G Suite I hate it I, I mean I hate Google but they do it right and just the <laughs> everything G Suite it just simplifies so you don't have to think two steps forward. And I'm a G Suite fanatic. That's great. Yeah. yeah. We use G Suite also. It, the, the API opportunity for so many different other Everything. Uh, apps and technologies just fascinating. Everything. That's actually the reason we switched from uh, what we were using before. I think my, Microsoft 365 or something. Yeah. Like you know, and I hate saying it because I, I feel... Like I'm ancient, like I should have better technology in my back pocket <laughs> as yeah. opposed to, I just love G Suite. Like everything <laughs> is G Suite for me. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, how about any, uh, any books that you have read or are reading currently that have been super impactful for you? Ooh, I, I have an answer for you. Um, Anger is the name of the book. And it's Anger and Diffusing the Flames. And hmm. that book has been very transformative. What's the um, what's the kind of the gist of what, uh, of it? So it's recognizing how we consume anger and how we interact with anger and how our lives are balanced around anger and hmm. how our ourself and what we put back into the world and it is that's kind of the, the premise um, you, a, a lot of people use it to build better relationships with others in their life um, so you can use it if if you have anger or 
you know, frustration or some type of thing that's holding you back from giving someone a lot of love mm. that, you know, maybe is a family member or someone that you know you should be loving. Um, and, or it can be used for both people to kind of communicate as well. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. It sounds it's, very it's, interesting. It's good. I'll send it to you. Great. Yeah. Um, what is, uh, do you have any, do you have any quotes, any like thought leaders, anything that comes to mind in terms of a mantra or something that Einstein, Albert Einstein, life is like riding a bicycle. If you're not moving, you're falling over. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I've that's always, I've, that's probably been my favorite forever. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Last question. I think I've asked you this before, and uh, I remember the answer. I'll see if you answer it the same way. Oh. What is your uh, what is what would you consider your superpower to be? Oh, I know my superpower. I could take in negative energy and capture it and diffuse it. I, I think that uh, bad things happen, or there's situations that are horrible, or maybe someone needs to just let it all out, and I'm strong enough to take that in and just be like cool are you better like is the situation better mm. just let it die with me where it should wow so yeah. you can be with uh other people's whatever negativity is going on for them you can be with it and diffuse it yeah and, it and let it. them let it escape them oh that's awesome yeah yeah that's, that's always great. been my superpower cool well i very much appreciate your time today yeah that was awesome Thank great you. conversation and uh, again, for the listeners uh, that want to check out science and uh, basically increase revenue, period. <laughs> and we need to talk about a couple of my companies. Yeah. Science.com, C-I-E-N-C-E.com. Um, uh, yeah, I'll let you get on with your day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you.